So let's go. Genesis chapter 18, verses 18 through 19. Excited to continue this series called The Blessing. Let's read. Let's read. It says this, For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation. And all of the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Come on, somebody say through him. Not about what's happening to him, but what is happening through him. Verse 19 says, I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families. Man, I'm going to talk to us today. He singled him out so he would direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then God said, I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Lord, bless the word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lane. Appreciate you. How many of you just love being a parent? For all the parents in the house, how many of you love being a parent? You better raise your hand. Don't, don't, especially if you've got kids in here, all right? They're, look, they're looking. They're looking down the aisle. They're like, Mom, where you at? Dad, where you at? Please raise your hand. No, I love, I love being a parent. And uh, in fact, you know, for me, being a parent has been one of, honestly, the greatest privileges, greatest joys of my life. In fact, I can remember even uh, when Shannon and I were dating uh, back in the day, and, uh, and we would always talk about, you know, our future and having kids and, and getting married. And it was just one of the things that we, we really always looked forward to was, was, was raising a family together. And so, you know, now that we're, we're parents, it's, it's one of the greatest joys that, uh, that I have. And I love being a dad. And, you know, for, for all, of, all of the dads in the house, um, if you were, you know, used to, man, you know, old school, they wouldn't even be in the delivery room. Do we got any dads that weren't in the delivery room? Because it was just, it was old school. And then new school, you kind of move in and like, you know, you're, you're there by your wife and she's squeezing your hand as, uh, you know, she's screaming and in pain and, uh, and, and all the things. And, uh, you know, and each kid was different. So Carson and Reese were, they were like, they were easy. They were smooth. Both of them were induced. I mean, we'd like, I remember going into the hospital that morning. We were chill. We stopped by the CVS and like picked up some powdered donuts. You weren't supposed to eat them. But anyway, she ate them anyway. And uh, I mean, it was just, it was chill. Everything was smooth. Everything, everything was great. And then came Brooklyn, and um, I mean, it was it was the opposite. We went in on um, we went in on a Friday morning, and Shane was like, I'm, "I'm having contractions. I'm ready to go." And they were like, "No, you're not ready to go. We're gonna we're gonna send you home." I'm like, "Okay, all right." So we went home. And I was uh, the young adults pastor at, at a church and we had a young adult service and like I was counting my days off. I was like, I got to get these days off. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to work tonight. And so it was like 630 and we're in the huddle. And all of a sudden I get a call from Shannon. Shannon's like, hey, listen, I'm going into labor right now. I'm like, uh, you, you're preaching and uh, y'all have a great service. And I literally, I just, I ran out and, uh, and we went and, um, and for whatever reason, the, the epidural didn't take. And uh, so she was in a lot of pain. Um, therefore, I was in a lot of pain too, you know, but not quite as much as her, of course. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm sure y'all have seen the videos where the husband uh, passes out or whatever. I didn't pass out, but I almost did. And, you know, the doctor looks at me and he's like, sir, you're going to need to sit down, okay? Uh, so I had to sit down, and anyway, she got here, and uh, and it was an amazing moment. And you know, the first the birth of your kids is incredible. But then we had Ella, 
And Ella came along, the surprise to our family. And most of y'all, you know, know the story. So I won't, I won't uh, bore you with all the details. But she was our miracle child. And she was our miracle baby. And God brought this baby to us. And, you know, it was this thing that, that our whole family that we just prayed for. And we would lay hands on her belly and anoint her belly and, and pray. And so the day of her arrival happened during 2020 and COVID when you're wearing masks and everything else and families weren't allowed up there. But one of the most incredible moments happened in our life. And I, I just wanted to, to share this moment. This was the moment baby Ella was born. Uh, and it was just a special moment for our whole family. And that for us was, I mean, honestly, I've, and, and I'm, I've never felt the presence of God like that in a moment in my entire life. And the presence of God filled that room that day. It was just literally the most euphoric moment. But I love how Psalm says it. Psalm says it this way, that children are a heritage from the Lord. They're an offspring, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed. Come on, somebody say blessed. Blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them. You got to understand that tr children truly are a blessing from God. I know some days that they may act crazy. I know some may, we're in the middle of potty training. You're just like, come on, potty train. Like, what? you got it. Children are a blessing from God. And I feel blessed to be the dad of Carson, Reese, Brooklyn, and Ella. And uh, in fact, it's the thing that I take most pride in is being a dad. But I want to come back to this concept. Because when we look at this series and we're, and we're talking about this whole idea of the blessing. And last week we talked about the gift of faith and how the gift of faith is not what, what, what God wants to get to us, but what God wants to get through us. And when we talk about the blessing of family, I believe that it's the same, that it's not about what God wants to get to us, but through us. And I believe that God has blessed us with children in our life that we can raise up so that they would serve him and love him. And that, as this verse said, that they're like, that they're like arrows in the hands of a warrior so that we could take these kids and we could point them in the right direction and that we could sharpen them, that they might be difference makers in the world. One of the things that I felt like with my life is that my life wasn't about me, but what God would do through me in my kids. And I feel like what God is establishing is not even about us as adults or parents, but what we're building, we'll hand off to a generation that will run with it in the future. And that's why I believe this message is so important today is because we have to realize what we have is a blessing and we want to pass on a generational blessing and not a cursing. It's 100% about God, want, not what God wants to get to you, but what God wants to get through you. And I believe that 100% applies to the blessing of family. So let's go back to it, Genesis 18 and verse 19. For Abraham will certainly become 
a great and mighty nation. And all of the nations of the earth will be what? Blessed how? Through him. Notice it's not about what is happening to Abraham. There are things that are happening to Abraham that God is doing, but God is not focusing on the things that are happening to. He's going, this is what I want to do through you. And he said, I have singled him out so that he will what? Direct his sons and their family. If I could say anything today, I believe it's that as parents, God want us to direct our sons and our families, our daughters and our families. That God wants us to be men and women that our kids can look to that say, hey, I want to be like that. I want to be like my dad. I want to be like my mom. They live their life in such a way that I want to look at them and I want to be like them. And And God looked at Abraham and said, Abraham is a man that I can raise a great nation through. Because when you look at Abraham, it starts with Abraham and then God gives him a son, Isaac. And then through Isaac comes Jacob. And then through Jacob, whose name is then changed to Israel, we get the 12 tribes of Israel. And then out of the nation of Judah, we get David. And then on down the line from David, we get Mary. And then from Mary, we get Jesus. And so what I'm telling you is that out of Abraham's faithfulness to steward who and what God gave him came the greatest blessing of all time. And God wants to do something incredible through you. God's desire is for us to pass our faith on to our kids, and there's no greater influence in someone's life than that of the father. Listen to this, dads. Listen to me. When the father is the first person in a household to accept Christ, there is a 93% probability that everyone else in the house will follow. 93% men, your role in your home is important. When a father attends Sunday school or small group settings, 55% of the children will attend when they're grown. But watch this. When both mom and dad both do it, in addition to Sunday service, 72% of their children attend Sunday school when they are grown. Parents, it's our job to pour into the next generation and to teach them this word, what it means to walk out the faith. Our kids should see it in us. And the reason I share these stats with you is this, is that I want you to understand that it's not just showing up on Sunday and checking a little mark. It's not just checking a box and be like, well, I did this. Did you know that the average churchgoer attends church 1.2 times a month? 1.2 times a month, and then we expect to make a difference in our kids' lives. And what this is saying and what this is displaying is that There was a Sunday attendance, but then there was also some kind of other involvement outside of that. And when you mix the two of Sunday and small group or serving in some type of way, it has a massive impact on our kids. Listen to what Deuteronomy 6 says. Look at this on the screens with me. It says, these commandments I give you today, and they are to be on your hearts. Dads, moms, they are to be on your hearts. Why? So then... You can impress them on your children. 
Look, if, if I know this word, I can teach it to my kids. If I don't know this word, guess what? I can't teach it to them. They shouldn't be coming home from youth or, or wherever, and they're trying to tell you stuff, and you're like, I don't know. No, we've got to get in this book so we know it, and we can impress it on their hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about it when you sit down at home, and when you walk, walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Come on, we take every opportunity to invest into our kids. Man, some of the greatest times are car rides, and, and I love being able to just be in the car with our kids. And, and, and when we're going place, we'll talk about God. We'll talk about their relationship. We'll talk about their walk. We'll talk about the Bible. We'll talk about the church. We'll talk about spiritual things. Why? Because, uh, you know, we don't walk along the road that much uh, anymore, but we drive along the road. So I'm going to do what Deuteronomy says. And when I'm driving along the road, I'm pouring into my kids. I'm taking every moment and every opportunity. I don't want there to be a wasted moment that I invest and sow into my kids. God wants to pass this blessing of faith through you to the next generation. It's not just enough to show up to church. Can I say that again? It's not just enough to show up to church. It's more than just attending church. Look, that's a great start, but a lot of times we just want to simply drop off our kids and be like, youth pastor, Pastor Aaron, you got them, all right? Get them saved, get them sanctified, and send them home to me, all right? We want to drop them off to Pastor Jordan and be like, hey, Pastor Jordan, we're going to need you to cast out whatever is in them, okay, and send them back to us saved, holy, and sanctified. But can I tell you what the job of the church is? And I believe we have some of the greatest youth ministries and children's ministries, honestly, in the city. And I, I really do believe that. Our, our children's team is incredible. Our youth team is incredible. We have some of the best. And we're not just back there babysitting them, but we cut on worship and they worship together. And we're giving them a word every week. And, and when they come to youth, they're having encounters with the Holy Spirit. But our job is not to do that. Our job is to come alongside of you as mom and dad and we partner with you and, and a lot of times what happens as parents is we go okay uh, I'm gonna send them to church you got them you get them saved you do all the things and then I you know I'll just kind of manage it at home that's not the way it works we are their number one spiritual influence in their life the Bible says that God trusted Abraham. Why? Because he knew that he could trust him to direct his sons and their families. He knew that he would be a positive spiritual influence in their life. So watch this. The Bible says this. Proverbs twenty-two sixteen. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he won't depart from it. You know, this is one of those verses that I feel like that we could really look at and we could kind of look at it sideways. Because how many of you have known uh, a church kid that went away from the Lord? You probably all do, right? You probably all know like a kid that, it, man, he was just like a good church kid. And then all of a sudden, sudden something happened. And now, you know, now they don't love God. Now they're not serving God. They're, they're you know, they're whatever. They're, they're on a prayer list, on grandma's prayer list. And, and we probably all know that person. Maybe you at one point were that person. And so this is one of those scriptures that, that we can look at and we, and we can kind of look at it sideways and be like, well, is that, is that really true? Is the, is the Bible 100% accurate on this point? But watch this. Training up a child is not a once a week event. Can I say that again? Training up a child is not a once a week event. It's not a 1.2 times a month event. You don't just 1.2 times get them to church a month and boom, that's the way you train a child. 
Let me, let me put it in terms like this. How many, do we have any crazy sports parents in the house? Crazy sports? Okay, one, two. Yeah, Shannon uh, and Craig. This is was, this was what I said. Like, we're crazy sports parents, all right? If, uh, if you're at a game and you hear some crazy people and you turn up and you see it's us, we're sorry, okay? Uh, we're sorry. But no, we, we love sports. I, I, love to watch my, I love to watch my kids run track. I love to watch them play soccer. I love to watch them play football. I love to watch them cheer. Uh, like I said, being dad's one of my favorite things, but one of my favorite things about being a dad is, is watching our kids play sports. And so I begin to kind of like dig a little bit deeper on this. It's like train up a child in the way that he should go. What does training up a child actually look like. Listen to this. The original Hebrew word for train means to dedicate. So my question to us as parents would be, how dedicated are you to passing on your faith to your children? Because when you are dedicated to something, you are committed. You are invested. You are going to do whatever it takes. Carson, he wants to be a D1 athlete. So guess what we do? We invest. He's like, I want to play football at the next level. So guess what we do? We're like, all right, well, uh, let's hire a speed coach. Okay, that's great. He's got two speed coaches. So you take him one for this and one for that. He's like, okay, let's get a wide receiver coach. Now he's got a wide receiver coach. He shows up at practice every morning at 7 o'clock, and he works from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock. And then we've got to be sure he's got the right nutrition and that we're getting him all the protein that he needs and all the stuff. We're committed. We're training. Why? Because he's got a dream and we want to help him reach that dream. And what I'm telling you is that when it comes to spiritual issues, I don't think we're really training the child in the way that they should go. I mean, we'll do all kinds of crazy things for sports. We'll drive all over the place. We'll do anything. We'll sacrifice whatever kind of money. We get a second job to fund it. Like, we'll do all of the things because we want to be sure they have the right training to be the best that they can be. But when it comes to spiritual issues and spiritual matters, my question was, and I'm not trying to step on everybody's toes here on Father's Day, but my question would be is, are we training our kids in spirituality? Are we training our kids? In, uh, if, if we were as dedicated to train them uh, in, in the spiritual things as we are in sports world or in the dance world or in whatever it is or in cheer, because my Lord, y'all, cheer parents are crazy. How do y'all, y'all cheer parents are crazy. I mean, the hours that you invest into, into cheer, but if we, if we would be as dedicated in training spiritually as we are in sports, in athletics, in arts, in all the things, I wonder what the outcome would be. Because I think we'll take this passage of Scripture and we'll be like, well, this is not true because so left the Lord and I had this kid that did this and this kid that did this and this kid that did this and blah, blah. You know, did we really train them? Did we really train them up? in the way that they should go? Because if we're really training them up, like I said, in, so in the natural, what does, it, what does that mean? We're, we get the best trainers. What does getting the best trainer in, in a spiritual, in a Christian walk mean? I mean? We've got youth pastors that come around them. 
We got children's pastors that come around them. You've got other people that are going to invest into them and they're going to pour into them and they're going to be sure that they're on the right path. The, the, the nutrition, you heard me talk about it. We're going to be sure that we're investing into their spiritual lives. We want to be sure that whatever is going into their spirit, that we protect that, right? That we're just not letting everything on YouTube speak into their life or everything on TikTok speak into their life and, and speaking confusion into their life. But we want to be sure that what's coming into their spirits is building them up and feeding them. We want to get them in the right environments. You got to know who their friends are. Parents, listen to me. You got to know who they're spending time with. You got to know who is investing into them. You've got to create atmospheres of worship in your home where they can encounter God right alongside of you. It's up to me to lead my kids to God. It's not up to the church. It's not up to anybody else. We're going to come alongside of you and partner and create atmospheres and, and help. But, but mom and dad, it's up to us in our homes. So this is what training up a child in the way of the Lord looks like. Watch this. 75% of kids that are brought up in the church leave the church from ages 18 to 29. So when you look at that statistic, you would go, train a child in the way that they go and they won't depart. Well, 75%. It kind of makes you look at it sideways. So what they did is they got together and they did this study where they looked at the 25% who stayed in the church. And when they looked at the 25% that stayed in the church, these 25%, they had five things in common. So when we talk about training up a child in the way that they go, there's this 25%. Look, if 25% stayed in the church, I want to know what they did. This is what they did. Number one is they ate five of seven nights a week as a family. Come on, we need to gather our families back around the table again. We don't need to let the TV babysit them during dinner. It's not like I make dinner, you grab it, you go to your room and do whatever. No, I want to get back to the table and eating. Look, if it's just a peanut butter and jelly, come on, make a peanut butter and jelly, cut it down the middle, put it on the table and say, we're going to eat together. If it's ramen noodles, come on, because you got to have a ramen noodle night every once in a while. Even if it's high in sodium, get the good kind, get the whatever and get around the table. It says that they served with their families in a ministry. Come on, get your kids and say, hey, we're going to church tonight. We're going to get there at 415 to huddle with everybody. And you're going to stand at the door and we're going to be a greeter at the door. And you're going to high five everybody that comes in. You're going to hold the sign and you're going to dance out front. And you're going to have a big smile. You're going to make everybody feel good coming into church. Because how many of you know if a kid's got a sign and they're dancing, with, that's going to make you happy, you know? And as they're walking in the doors, they're, they're right there alongside of you. And they're looking up to you going, isn't this awesome? We're serving in the house of the Lord together. It said that the success was that they served, families served together. They had one spiritual experience in the home during the week. Moms and dads, can I emphasize to you this importance? Have a spiritual experience in your home this week. Like if I could give you any homework, dads, let me talk to my dads. Dads, if I can give you any homework, have a spiritual experience in your homes with your kids this week. You're like, okay, that's that spiritual experience. Uh, now some of you are freaked out. Now some of you are kind of like, I don't even know. If, I don't know. What, what do you? Open this Bible and just read it. <laughs> like go to the gospel and, and just open it up. 
and just go, okay, all right. Hey, tonight as a family, um, we're going to read Luke chapter 4, The Temptation of Jesus. I just flipped there, okay? And then you're just going to read it. And as a family, you're going to go, hey, what, what does that mean to you? Hey, did you notice that every time Jesus was faced with temptation that uh, he, would, he would use scripture? And he said, the man should not live. And then maybe, you know, there's like a little star asterisk. Maybe then you go down here to the bottom and you look up the reference and y'all, y'all begin to talk about that. Maybe it's just cutting on a worship song. And you go, all right, everybody come into the den. Let's just sit down, cut on this worship song. And maybe some of you stand and lift your hands. Maybe some of you sit there just with your eyes closed and you reflect. Maybe one of you just sits here with your hands out, but there's a spiritual experience that's happening in the home that's led by mom and dad that they begin to see, you know what? Mom and dad are actually walk out this thing that, that we talk about on Sundays. It's not just an event that we go to, but this is, this is who we are. We are people of faith. My dad is a person of faith. My mom is a person of faith. And and we begin to pour into the next generation. I'm telling you, the spiritual experience is important. And as often as we can, we gather in our home and we cut on a worship song or I'll open this Bible and it's different every time. Or, Or sometimes we pray and sometimes we pray hard and sometimes we just pray quietly together. But there's a spiritual experience where our kids are encountering God in our home and moms and dads, they need to see you leading that experience. They were entrusted with responsibility in ministry at an early age. I I, I love, listen, we want your kids to be in ministry. We want your kids to serve. When they turn, uh, when they get in sixth grade, they're going to start serving in kids ministry. They're going to start running sound and lights and media, and they're going to start running sound and lights and media in here. We're going to give them a place to belong because I believe, I believe as a young person, see, I got saved at at 15, and at 15, I started leading worship in in our youth group. And it was accountability for me because I knew that I had to live my life right if I was going to lead people in worship on Wednesday. And every time I was tempted and I was like, man, I was like, dang, I got to leave worship on Wednesday. I got to be holy. And there's something about an accountability that comes in your life when you're you're serving in ministry. And our young people need that level of accountability. Somebody say amen. They were entrusted. And then the last thing is this. They had one faith-focused adult in their lives other than their parent. We need good youth pastors. We, We need good children's pastors. And I'm telling you, we got them. We've got some of the best children's workers and children's leaders and and youth leaders. And I I, I love what God is doing in the next generation. But it worked like this for me. My mom forced me to go to church. She's like, you're going to church. I'm like, I'm not going to church. She's like, you're grounded for the rest of your life. I'm like, I'm going to church. It's great. It's a good deal. So I went to church and that night, the youth pastor walked up to me, put his arm around me, loved me, invited me on a, on a trip the very next day, paid for my trip. I went on this trip, and I immediately got grafted into the church. It was my mom, and it was the church working together. And what I'm telling you is that there's an incredible partnership 
when we as parents, me as a parent, me as a dad, when I'll step into my role as a parent and as the spiritual leader of my home and of my kids and I'll take the responsibility and they see me worship and they see me pray and they hear me pray. And it's not this weird thing, but it's just something that is a very normal part of our life that every morning I, my kids are going to be prayed over. Every night my kids are going to be prayed over. Sometimes multiple times through the day they might get a random hand laid on them and, and pray over and just like slapped with oil every once in a while just randomly like they're almost asleep and it's just like what is going on like in the name of Jesus I pray for them and pray your blessing on them and pray healing on them and pray your favor on them and pray that everywhere they go God that your light would shine through them and I'm just telling you when you make these things just a normal part of life they're going to be like man this is it and I I'm think they wake up and they're like man I'm thankful my parents are praying over for me even though they just woke me up I'm still thankful Lord that I got some praying parents but it starts with us. Watch this. And I'm closing. Joshua 24, 15 says this. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves. Where does it start? It starts with me. Joshua went on to declare this. He said, but as for me, my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Dads, it starts with me. As I go... So goes my household. I can't expect what I'm not willing to do myself. I cannot lead my kids where I have not been myself. If you want your kids to serve the Lord, it starts with you. Psalms 128.3 says this. I don't know if I've ever read this until or it just jumped out at me this last time. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Watch this. And your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. I know how plants flourish because I kill them all the time and I don't do what I should do. If you want a plant to live, don't bring it to my house. If you need plants, like if you're going out of town, like could you sit my plants? No, don't choose me. I've got a brown thumb, they'll die. I know it's simple. You just water them, right, and put them in some sunshine or whatever. It doesn't matter. It could be the lowest maintenance plant, and I'll surely kill it. Because you, I'm not watering it. I'm not investing it. I'm not pouring into it. I'm not giving it the attention that it needs. But when the Bible says that your children will be like vigorous young olive trees that sit around your table, the reason they will be like that is because you're investing into them. The reason they will be like a, a vigorous young olive tree is because you are sowing into it and you're pouring into it and you're being intentional with it. And I love the fact that it said that they're gathered around your table. Why? Because life happens around a table. Community happens around a table. And it's time that we gather our families back in these home places and that we begin to lead our families like we've never led our families before. It takes work, yes. It it takes intentionality. It takes investment. But the, the dividends that it pays back are priceless. Because what do you get from, from olives? You get amazing oil. And from an olive comes anointing oil. An oil of gladness. And what I can tell you is that if you'll invest in your kids, what you're going to get back from them is joy. And even greater than that, 
We're going to ensure that this faith continues to, to march on, continues to be passed on. I shared this statistic um, a few months ago when I preached the sermon, Run the Race. Boomers were 10% biblical worldview. Gen Z, I believe, was 8. Millennials, 6. What's next? Who's Gen, is it Gen Z then? Gen X is, right? So Gen X was 10, millennials eight, Gen Z is four. And it just keeps declining because as moms and dads, we're not, we're not handing off the faith. We're not living this thing out. We're not walking this thing out. So when they, they look up, they're not, they're not seeing us walk this thing out. It, it doesn't happen in attending church 1.2 times a month. And I'm not saying the church is the answer to everything, but it is a place where we receive wisdom. It is a place where we hear the voice of God. It is a place where we get full of God's presence so that when I go home on Monday morning, I can be the best version of me. And Thursday night, women's small groups aren't a necessity, but I can tell by all the tears that I see when I show up at the end of small group that God is moving and doing something incredible in, in the lives of our ladies. And that when the Bible says bear one another's burdens, that these ladies are coming alongside of each other and bearing one another's burdens. And, and we need a good community around us so that when we go home, we can be the best version of ourselves for our kids, that we can love on them and that we can point them to Jesus. For all of our teenagers that are in the room, and you're like, how does this message apply to me? Well, just start taking notes because one day you're going to be a parent too. And you need some parent goals. And so no matter where you're at, I feel like this, this message is, is relevant and, and applicable to you. I want you to stand on your feet because I want, I want to close with this. You know, when it comes to, to Father's Day, maybe you have a negative connotation when it comes to the word Father. You know, maybe you didn't grow up with, uh, with a good dad. Maybe you grew up without a dad. And so maybe this has even shaped your view of God and, and who he is. And maybe it's even shaped that role of fatherhood in, in your own kids' lives. But this is what I know about the God that I serve. Psalm 68 says that he is a father to the fatherless. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. He's a good father. He's a loving father. He's a caring father. He's a father that bankrupt heaven to send his son down to the earth so that we didn't have to die for our sins. He is a good God. And if he was willing to invest it all, if he was willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me, come on, can't we do the same for our kids?